young heroes called the Animorphs. Hello, and welcome to Middle Morph Millennials, the podcast that I started to force my friends to read Animorphs and yell at them about chocolate! Chocolate! Chocolate. My name is Morgan. And my name is Kate. And back in my day, when they had chocolate, we hated it! Um, oh yeah my name is jason (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh you you got distracted by the beautiful mouth sounds or mouth feels of chocolate Chocolate. um for the record i do love chocolate (laughs) (laughs) and today we're talking about uh animorphs number eight the alien which is the first axe book very exciting i don't have to dodge questions anymore (laughs) (laughs) as far as you know yeah or at least dodge more questions. There's a lot more uh, mysteries that need to be solved. Like, Dang straight. who is the Elemis? Oh, blah, blah, blah. I can't think nobody, of anything else. Nobody but... cares about that baggy wind of wizard. <laughs> He's Gandalf. I feel like there's still more uh-huh. Andalite things to know. Uh, I mean, there's, yeah. uh, but this book does explain a good deal, but there's still a lot to dive into how Andalites interact with the rest of the galaxy. Yes, we got a lot of Andalite culture. Um, I also, so this is the Axe book. So it's one of the few ones that are just Axe morphing into a human or just someone morphing into a human. So we already had Tobias uh, morphing Hawk. Then later we get uh, something similar. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. So you have dodging questions. Um <laughs> And then we got this one. And then there's another one where Axe morphs a human. So it's just like, okay, <laughs> we're not going to, we're not going to talk about humans. Um, Axe gets a new rattlesnake morph. So we're going to talk about that later, but it's just a very boring cover. However, I would like to call attention to the fact that this model, he is supposed to be a quarter black, a quarter Latino and half white. And he is just all white. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Oh, so, so, oh, wait, you were saying that, okay, so that's what they needed to cast because that's what uh, Axe's human morph is, but they didn't cast someone like that. Correct. I thought you were saying, He's like, just... you did background on, like, that, on, like, this child, like, model, <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh no, no, okay, no, no, that makes sense, they did it right, but he just looks very white. No. <laughs> no, he's actually just, okay. No. Yeah, the cover art, I know what you're talking about, Morgan, because I had the same thought, too, is, like, he acts, acts is morphing on the cover into his human morph, and that human morph is, as described in the book, all four of the um, kids kind of splicing their uh, different um, DNA uh, together. But the kid that's cast uh, for the model on the cover art, yeah, he's, he's pretty, pretty white. It would have been really cool if they had cast a multiracial non-binary person, but like even in the The 90s, Morgan. No, in the remake, which is from 2012, like it's just some like Riverdale looking dude, looking white dude. Uh, let me show you guys that one so you can enjoy. Ooh, speaking this of, guy's face. See, speaking of depictions of some of our favorite characters, the, uh, I think there's like a graphic novel some fan is producing. This doesn't look too shabby. Yes, there's the first two graphic novels have released. They're they're releasing one a year for the first six books, and then they're going to accelerate production. Oh, that's cute. Uh, just saw the second uh, re-release uh, cover art. Yeah, you're not wrong, Morgan. It's a very 
<laughs> very Riverdale looking motherfucker. It's, it's like a model's headshot, essentially. Just think of a young 20-something model that, yeah, I guess Riverdale would be the ideal casting. But then they just added kind of like, quote unquote, cat-like golden eyes that are supposed to be the alien eyes on, on his yeah, face. Yeah, and then he has like blue, a blue tinge, like a blue contour, essentially. Yeah, of just the little, the a little shading. Face. Yeah. That that one's a little... I want to see his mouth disappearing, damn it. <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's very generic, and I feel like they didn't want to scare people. <laughs> Into, like, what, what, what's going on here? No, I'm not, I'm not buying this for my child. Uh, the, not even the stock eyes, like the eyes on the stocks on the top of his head. I mean, that could easily have been added to oh, yeah. photoshopping that on a, a, a regular kind of model headshot image, but no, nothing. Yeah, so very disappointing uh, cover. And also in the... Um, in the original, he's just wearing the baggiest blue t-shirt ever with, like, the baggiest 90s. It's so 90s. Like, from Full House. Yeah. The yeah. Full House, like, jeans. Like, yeah. Wasn't Rachel supposed to be dressing him? Like, come on. Give him some fashion. It's- I know, right? Uh, they say in the the beginning scene that he looks like he's like a model, and then they don't really mention his clothing in when he goes to school later. But spoiler. I do love though throughout this book Axe's remarks and observations on humans and their proprietiness with uh being uh, being proprietary with uh with clothing and just he's like not understanding it because <laughs> he's like okay so they really want me to wear clothing and it's like supposed to be a really big deal but then like when they go to the beach they can wear really minimal clothing i don't understand where the um the lines are drawn here <laughs> <laughs> yeah it seems very arbitrary and it's like that's because it kind of is my dude i know Anyway, um, in honor of this being the first Axe book, uh, I got a little creative, and since uh, the podcast has been going on, I figured I'd make something to kind of commemorate it. So one of my side passions is crocheting, and I made you guys a little something. Uh, Morgan, uh, you got yours here a little earlier, and Jason, yours just got in the mail today. It did. You want to open that live and on camera. (laughs) (laughs) Which we are not turning on our cameras. We will post pictures on the social the social meds of uh, the final final product. So keep an eye out for that. Very exciting. Um. Yes. Do it's. I mean, are we allowed to talk about it? Yeah. No. I. I'd, I'd hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, I. I crocheted you guys each. Um. A little axe. A cute little amigurumi axe. Yeah. Uh. In yours, Jason, because you've been talking so much about Cinnabons, <laughs> has a Cinnabon in his hand. I did notice that, and I want to talk about it more because Axe brings it up like a whole bunch in this episode. <laughs> like, like, if if he got a tattoo, it would just be like Cinnabon. a Cinnabon tattoo. <laughs> Yep. Uh, it's the cutest thing ever. So, yeah. It is so cute, you guys. Check out the social the social media. It's not like hyper cuz there are some that are hyper realistic and it's kind of disturbing. This one's just cute like chibi version. Yeah, it's a cute crocheted little axe. Yeah, it's a little chubby cute one. Uh and um I actually uh well I kind of came up with a pattern. So, um if anybody's interested, I'll post the pattern as well uh, as the pictures. Yeah. Very adorable. Hey. Um, yeah, I need to figure out, because uh, I also crochet, so I'm definitely going to make him some sort of food, and I feel like I want to make cigarette butts. Oh, no. Because he, he, men- he mentions all the time, he's like, uh, he, he had coffee and it tasted like cigarette butts, and I was like, that's kind of accurate. I know, <laughs> I just... 
Ugh. The raisinettes I'd probably make uh, as opposed to cigarette butts. <laughs> I could probably just make some cute, like, felt, uh, a little felt box mm-hmm. of, yeah. of raisinettes. That would be yeah. easy. Uh, I used to do, when I made stuff all the time as a kid, uh, uh, do stuff like that. Or just, like, out of paper. Uh, make uh, little uh, paper containers um, for for little uh, little creatures like that. Oh, yeah, I used to do kind of something like that. <laughs> make little boxes like with like you could put papers in it and then put it in a little like a drawer and pull the drawer mm-hmm. out. Yeah, I don't know why I did that. Oh no, I would make when I was younger. I loved making uh, all sorts of accessories for my dolls and toys. So uh, I like oh. um, I even made I made a bunch of stuff, but um, uh, like uh, even Chinese takeout boxes. I made like little versions of that for my dolls oh. and, and things. So, and uh, then back when VHSs were a thing, I made little VHS tapes and then made like little VHS sleeves with all my favorite movies, like kind of drawn on each sleeve uh so yeah uh crafting's fun (laughs) yes i'll figure i haven't been beading i used to bead i have to figure out something i could make out of tiny tiny eye eye beads those are the ones that you like uh uh fuck (laughs) those ones that you like iron (laughs) iron together right oh oh are you talking about uh, yeah uh, those are different types those are called perler oh okay those are called perler beads yeah i i've done those too Um, Uh, she's talking about like seed beads like the little itty bitty tiny beads that uh you weave together to kind of construct uh different uh pieces for for jewelry or different even uh kind of like um you can make anything really with yeah, think of the teeny tiniest beads, and those are—they're like the size of an O on a page. Yeah, and the needles oh. in, the, in Animorphs. Yeah, book. the needles that <laughs> yeah. go through those are just super skinny little slivers of metal. <laughs> my yeah, I usually use wire. Uh, yeah, but that yeah. sounds very not like my fat ass like fingers are going <laughs> to be able to do. <laughs> It's frustrating. Yeah, you lose a lot. In the, and then it's funny because when I would vacuum, that was my chore as a, as a team. It sounded like so sand would, or gravel going yeah. into the vacuum. <laughs> I, yeah, whenever I vacuumed under my desk, it was like, like yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. No, like definitely that. can relate. Uh, there's always some that get away from you. <laughs> or, you know, a dog jumps up and barks and knocks the whole tray over and, and you can only get oh, so no. many off the floor. Stab. <laughs> And then they all have hair in them. Anyway, okay. Well, let's get into the book. (laughs) Yes. So this one actually has a prologue and it says before Earth. And we start with basically this is before the battle above Earth where Elfangor, you know, landed in on the construction site. So we start with a Captain Nerafir, who's another, he's an Andalite, um, you know, he's the captain of the dome ship. And, uh, it's very funny because Axe immediately starts off being like a little kid where he's like calling this guy old hoof and tail uh, to, to Elfangor. And um, that's like their their old man nickname for him. <laughs> and the guy overhears, Captain Nerafir overhears. And um, Axe remembers this time that he ran into him and uh, he fell over and bruised one of his stock eyes. So... He's already not liked by this dude, and he overheard him calling him old hoof and tail. So, yeah, Very much, not a great start. I feel like, you know, I, I said this off, but, like, Axe kind of gives me Marco vibes. <laughs> like, he's, he's just, like, he's definitely more mature than he seems in, like, the other books. <laughs> and I am like, okay, the, the shipping makes more sense, too, even more. You're just like, oh, they're similar. Yeah, yeah, like, he, uh, there's a lot of, um, 
like non-dialogue here that is very funny because you know it's a not it's like misunderstanding of human uh, culture and stuff like that it's very funny lots of references and jokes that he's clearly picking up so the battle's happening but he's an aris which is an andalite cadet so he is going to hang out in the dome where he's safe because like the fucking starship enterprise the dome separates from like it looks like a, a palm tree or like a tree uh, I don't know why palm tree is the thing I said, but any tree where it's got the dome on top and like a long trunk. Oh, were you imagining yeah. it vertical? I was imagining yeah. it horizontal. Like, like, like the dome was like still was per was uh, parallel to the um, mm. the straight part of it. Um, oh, it's thing. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think later maybe I'm I'm bringing something later, but or maybe I just always you know I started. <laughs> imagining it that way as a kid and then it never left but it separates the dome separates from the bridge so they're gonna put him in the dome and separate and axe is really angry because he wants to fight but he knows that since he's a cadet that's not a thing and so he has to go and he's bumped out so elfangor leaves him you know he goes the dome ship gets hit the stabilizers fail drops into the ocean um then kind of gives like a summary of like the my friends rescued me and we get kind of a, um, well, we we already learned this in Megamorph's book one, that Bizzard 3, because he murdered Elfangor, Axe has to kill, has to avenge him and kill Bizzard 3. So that's what we learn at the end of this prologue is that someday I have to kill him. By Andalite Law, yep. they have to. Yes. He has yep. to now avenge his brother. Very strong mm -hmm. honor-based society. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about nothing about this chapter. When they, so the Andalites were traveling through Z space and then like came out of it. So like coming out of hyperspace and then it's like all of a sudden like the Yerks are like, ha ha! <laughs> like, and I almost felt like they were like surprise attacked almost. And I was like, how did they know? Like, how could they get beaten so easily? Yeah, I don't know. Because, you know, it takes so long to get from Z space through Z space to your destination, they didn't know that the Yerks had that much force stationed at Earth. They didn't know there was a blade ship. Um, the blade ship was actually resting in the dark side, the big crater on the dark side of the moon. And that's how they surprised them. Ah. But that, I guess, is later. I don't know. We might have talked about this before, Morgan, but are there women, uh, or not women, uh, but female... Uh, uh, Andalites that can be princes or warriors within their system. We're gonna learn more about this in a later book. Okay, <laughs> I should just I should just say that. Uh, but no, it's it's like a very gender binary society. But we will meet several or several two. We will meet two <laughs> Andalite females at some point. Um, so yeah. Okay. Tell me they're like yeah. some other animals where they're bigger and more badasser than the male ones. That would be cool. Yeah, like they're like anglerfish. <laughs> yeah. They're just like triple the size. They're just fully yoked. <laughs> no dome ship can contain me. We have our own stuff, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's no moon. That's where the Andalite females hang out. <laughs> So at the beginning of this book, or at the beginning of most chapters, not all chapters, we get little Earth Diary uh, entries for Axe. Um, the first one it says, The first thing an Andalite may notice about humans is that they walk around on only two legs. It is very strange to see so many creatures balancing that way, but despite this, they seldom fall over. Yeah. And throughout the book, Axe, like, you get to, like, he really does not like being in a human morph. He's like, what is a yeah. subpar body? <laughs> 
No, totally. Yeah. Why does he have the quotes? Uh, okay, like the quotes are very cute from the Earth Diary of Acts, but in its essence, the book itself is supposed to be a record or a recount of <laughs> him and his journey anyway, and he kind of addresses the reader, as we've talked about before, as it were a diary entry, and yet there's still another diary entry before <laughs> some of these chapters. It's yeah. a little odd kind of doubling down. It's a diary within a uh-huh. diary, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, the easy answer is that they're kind of funny. <laughs> I think, and too, you'll notice that they change depending on what he's doing in the book. So he gets an almanac at one point and, you know, his stuff starts to kind of be about that. And then at one point, Cassie gives him a book of quotes by famous people quote-unquote people because he does find the quote from (laughs) et um and and he mentions that so yeah i think it's just kind of like flavor i don't know i think they were afraid that people weren't going to resonate with acts and so they were like throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks um yeah i mean the quotes are cute but they're kind of like really fun asides uh if acts was like you know kind of narrating within his own narration Mm -hmm. so yeah we get some information about how his name is acts and he also describes himself like, I have four legs and two arms and stuff. And then talks about morphing and the morph time limit is two hours. And this says that there's a very important mission that, but the risk is going to be that we take longer than two hours. And then he says, we were going to a movie. So they have a movie theater in their mall, I guess, which to me as a kid was like, ooh. I mean, they talked about the movie What's theater like in the mall in book seven, uh, where they'd go into the gap to go down to the pool and then they'd exit oh, the yeah. movie theater uh, with the movie theater with the rest of the people leaving a movie. Uh, and to, But there'd be more people coming out than there were people going into each theater. You know, I've only been oh, yeah. to a Done. movie theater in a mall I think maybe twice. I'm usually used to those giant Edward Cinema ones that just like take up like a Costco sized space. Yeah, there's actually one in our in my hometown mall now, but that was that's pretty new. You know, so I kind of do like it in the mall because it was when the one I went to was right by the food court. So it's like you know, fuck y'all, you know your whatever like food for the movie theater food. Like I'm gonna get some like Panda Express or Sabaro or like <laughs> something and sneak <laughs> that, that in. Shit in there. <laughs> And it's like, you already you smell all the food court food. You can't tell that I have this shit in my purse. I also don't think employees really care that much. They don't give a shit. As long as you hide it slightly, they don't care. The only time I've gotten in trouble in that is like, we, one of our movie theaters where we um, used to live uh, also sold like beer. And we brought in our own. Yeah. <laughs> that Like, that's the only time they like actually like. No, they'll, they'll crack down caught, on that. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, you yeah, sell yeah, it anyway. That's, that's, six, that's $16 that they're losing. Well, no, it's also <laughs> one beer? it's also alcohol licenses, and they could get in trouble if you know you, you oh, yeah, are yeah. bringing in uh, outside alcohol, and it's not something like that they are aware of or under their control. There's right. there's issues around that. Bullshit. <laughs> so, sorry, Jason. <laughs> no, I mean I'm not uh, angry about it. I I usually can go to a movie theater sober. <laughs> I usually like the movie. I'm gonna. <laughs> oh no, it's fun having a drink at the theater. <laughs> Don't get me well, wrong. <laughs> another one we had is like when they have those nice fancy theaters. There's like a fancy French one in San Diego, and like you get to like sit in like these really big chairs and order food like at your seat. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and oh. Uh, or a glass of wine if you're in the um, the uh, bar area in the movie theater. The, the fancy ones. 
I like the ones where you push the button and they come over to you and it's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't they have these at normal restaurants? Anyway, so Axe notes, of course, I would have to attend this movie in a morph. I couldn't go around in public in my own form. Humans would have been terrified and the controllers uh, would have tried to kill me, which would have ruined the entire movie experience. (laughs) Very, very funny. Very good. Now he's worried about the experience. (laughs) Cassie and Rachel are going to hang out at the mall and be like backup just in case. Um, we also learn, uh, or I think we already learned the word Nothlet, which is someone who's trapped in morph. Um, so, cause he talks about Tobias. Tobias is like just basically flying cover, hanging out, enjoying this little um, escapade. And Jake and Marco are going to go with him to the actual movie. So he starts to morph and is going to fall over. And um, so they grab him, make sure he doesn't fall over. They remind him not to forget the morphing suit, which, again, is, he, he's really concerned about feet, like the number of legs and clothing. And he, it's very funny because he's like, Prince Jake is large and pale in color with brown hair. Cassie is shorter and darker in color with darker brown hair. And just like ex- describes all of them and then says none, none of them had any sort of tail. It's funny. He just describes it like, you describe him super bland. I'm just like, it's just like. Yeah. Just very matter of I fact. liked it. Uh, <laughs> well, in my mind, cute. I'm like, do you even see their faces differently? Or are they just like, you know, sometimes in cartoons where it's just like someone's having a moment and it's like, <laughs> they just all look like a wah, 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 wah. <laughs> like... Okay, totally a uh, little off topic, but because we talked about Nothlets. Morgan, is it possible for A, an Andalite to morph into a Yurk if they acquired the DNA? And then B, could an Andalite have gotten stuck in Yurk uh, form and, you know, has to be uh, a Yurk controller for the rest of their being? And But technically they're an Andalite presence? That would be interesting. Because it's like the reverse <laughs> yes. of Visor 3, essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this today, too, because they, like, they were talking about controllers later. There's a controller who shows mm-hmm. up. And there must be something where the Yurks can tell which Yurk is in a person, because, like, otherwise you could just take someone else's host. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, I mean, Axe was saying that, like, Andalites can tell, like, who's possessed by a Yurk pretty easily. Yeah, I think um he does mention at some point, you can't tell unless you happen to be an Andalite. And it's like, okay, how do Andalites tell? Or is it just like, oh, we could always tell, like, Gadar. Like, sure, buddy, sure, you could always tell. Because later he didn't notice the teacher who was a controller. So I don't think they can actually tell. I think he just could tell in that case because Jake had this look of disgust on his face. Shocked look of disgust. But anyway, so... Rachel's like, well, why don't we just hit the Yurks while they're weak? Because we just destroyed that Condrona Ray, you know, a few weeks ago. Or no, last week. And so they're probably weak right now. So we should attack them. And then Jake says, we did a good job. We did all this stuff. Uh, he does mention the Valique. And he's like, look, we beat the Valique. We beat the Condrona. And so now we're going to go to the fucking movies <laughs> and just chill for a sec. And it's like, okay, fine. So they dress Axe and Rachel dresses him. So it's like, oh, he looks like he's going to the country club to play polo. Uh, Or Marco says he looks like he's going to the country club to play polo. And Rachel's like, you dress like Beavis. You don't know anything. (laughs) Which, uh, uh, Kate, do you have this in the reprint? Or are you going off of the PDFs at this point? Okay, I was going to say, I really wonder if they changed that Beavis reference. (laughs) Because... Uh, that's an old one. I know, they sort of had a little, like, bring back recently, but I was never a fan of Beavis and Butthead. But also, I rocked, like, the polo look for, like, maybe a year, a year and a half. Like, 
don't nobody be shitting on it. Yeah. <laughs> you can, can look nice. And there's also a point where, and I don't know if it's on in this chapter or the next one, where Tobias um, says says something to Axe, and he's like, "Since I was in human morph, I cannot respond." And they retro they retroactively retconned that is the word I'm looking for, where actually now it's um as long as you're in morph, even if your morph is speech capable, you can thought speak. So they get to the movie and foolishly Marco asks, do you want some popcorn? Which is like, why? He's like, and then he's like, is it food? And Jake's like, well, sort of. (laughs) It is food. It is glorious food. (laughs) Popcorn is yummy, but also why would you give him food? Anything. You know this. (laughs) And he also says it reminds him of pizza and cigarette butts. That's where the cigarette butts come uh. in. I think I was thinking about that. And I think it's just like that, you know, like slightly burnt flavor that you can get off of popcorn if it was like done a little too long. Or maybe it was done way too yes, long. Yes. But yeah. <laughs> that slightly burned popcorn flavor. Love it. Uh, so apparently they're seeing a Star Trek movie, which again could be modern because I'm never going to stop making Star Trek movies. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. And oh. Axe... Uh, Axe goes, what type of ship is that? What type of ship is that? It looks somewhat like a Hadrabron fighter. And Jake's like, that's the Enterprise. It's not real. Like, <laughs> Axe is like, yes, I know it's not real. <laughs> but I do know I do know what an interstellar spacecraft looks like. And they kind of like, uh, Jake and Marco kind of like snicker at each other. So they're watching the movie and Axe discovers, well, the popcorn is gone. Apparently, he didn't have a huge reaction to the popcorn because he was able to stay in his seat. However, he realized, hey, there's more popcorn on the floor. Uh, Fortunately, it's in a box. It's a half full box of popcorn right by his feet. So he eats the new popcorn, which like Jake and Marco, how did you not notice that? You shouldn't be watching this movie. You should be watching Axe the whole time. (laughs) Right? But how do you not know like a human-sized person next to you like getting down on the floor? (laughs) Yeah. In a dark movie theater. And then he finds, yes. Well, yeah, but still. <laughs> I mean, dark enough. Like, you obviously, the screen is huge and lights up the room, so it's dark, but it's like there's plenty of light. It's not one of those porno movie theaters. Like, <laughs> as we all know about <laughs> from personally. From the like 60s or 70s or whatever. <laughs> do, do we ever know what a Hajibran uh, freighter or what a Hajibran is later on? I feel like Andalite Chronicles has a couple of these things, but like the big one that comes back is the script Naw, which we haven't heard mentioned, but not really. When they're talking about Geds and things like that, like just any more like other species and other societies in the galaxy, it's just interesting as the world is expanding. Well, they also he also mentioned the Klingon looking um, like another alien. Yeah, a female version of the yeah. alien. Ongachik, 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 female. Uh, yeah, those. I don't think those come back really because I don't think they're relevant to the war. They're just like dudes hanging out in the in the in the galaxy. So then, then Axe finds these brown globules that he uh, that he keeps calling globules, and so that's fun. Later, we find out they're raisinets. Yeah, that sounds which is appetizing. also like <laughs> meh. <laughs> yeah, right. Like definitely meh and later so he's like crawling around on the floor and he goes up to this small child holding a box of raisinets and is like please give me your brown globules globules (laughs) and the kid's like mommy (laughs) he's trying to take my candy and uh they have to like rush him out of there 
And uh, later he finds finds out that there were also pellets that he found on the ground, which are M and M's. So they're they're gone. They're out of the um, out of the uh, theater with a little Earth Diary entry that talks about the dangers of of taste. And the then they get like a a little ping from Tobias, who's like, "Hey, there's something going on over here." And I heard the word yerk, and there's some people coming in your direction, and so, like, watch out. And they find there's a crowd, and there's this person going wild, yelling, like, listen to me, they're here, they're the yerks. And they're like, um, what do we do? And everybody's like, nothing. Like, separate, so we don't look like a big group, but, like, and watch from a distance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then they they get, like, so mesmerized, so they all just kind of stand together. And it turns out that it, this person's a controller, and his yerk is dying of Condrona starvation. I also like how Condrona rays are beamed from a device called a Condrona. Actually, it's a Condrona wave particle generator. Okay, Axe. Just, <laughs> like, too many Condronas in one sentence. <laughs> and they're like, well, it's it hasn't been... It's been weeks since we destroyed the Condrona. Why is this happening now? And they're like, I don't know, maybe something broke or whatever. And so the... Yerk starts crawling out of the guy's ear, yeah. um, and they're starting to talk about, like, oh, it's finally happening. All these people are going to be free. Their Yerk's going to die. And then, you know, maybe they'll find this one person and reinfest him, but when they have 10, 20, 50 people yelling about Yerk's, they won't be able to keep their cover. And they're just, like, getting very excited. Then the Yerk comes over, or a, a, a cop comes over, or cops come over and draw this like long metal cylinder um and put it against the guy's neck and the animorphs don't notice but axe does and he knows that that thing killed them killed killed the host i'm sort of like okay did it like break something in his neck did it poison him i'm just like that just seems sort of like super assassiny (laughs) yeah right like very uh i assume it uh, it injected something um, but it could be like, I don't know, maybe it shocked, like it stopped his electrical system or something. That would be interesting. So like if they're waiting a week, I was like, guys, be a little bit more patient. I'm sure they could figure out a workaround for like a week. <laughs> like... Yeah, there's only one more week. Um, So we cut to the next morning. Axe is in his like forest. He's got a river next to him. Scratch Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. Yeah, if there's a river. Um, and he's doing his like morning ritual. So he uh, says from the water that gives birth to us and dips his hoof in the water from the grass that feeds us and crushes some grass beneath his hoof for the freedom that unites us and spread his spreads his arms out. We rise to the stars and he like looks at the sun, <laughs> the rising sun. So it's not very bright yet. And um, then he says, freedom is my only cause duty to the people. My only guide obedience to my prince, my only glory. The destruction of my enemy is my most solemn vow. I, Aximili Esgarelth, Isdil, Andalite warrior cadet, offer my life. And he puts his tail blade against his own throat for a moment and then relaxes and the ritual is over. And he just thinks about how he has not destroyed his enemies yet and is bummed about that. Just that one more thing on the to-do list. Oh, all these, <laughs> know, right? all these people want to build Rome in a day. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, Tobias shows up and is like, hey, um, Axe, don't move because there's a rattlesnake next to you. And he does say they're poisonous. However, 
they are venomous. <laughs> yeah, there is a difference. There is a difference. Poisonous. Yeah. Poisonous is is if you eat it, you die. Venomous is they inject poison into you yep. somehow. Mm-hmm. So a bee is venomous. Cute little bumblebee. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing is, is like native to the Americas, there's actually a lot of native pollinators and a lot of native uh, bees. They're just not the honeybee that we know is actually originally um, uh, from uh, Europe and uh, Asia. They're they're not uh, native to the Americas, uh, which is why we have colony uh, uh, hive collapse uh, uh, issues every uh, what's well, going on now. Uh, is because technically uh, honeybees uh, aren't all fully um, immune or can handle a lot of different types of parasites and diseases that uh, occur naturally um, on these continents. I, I saw a picture recently of this bee that had like a whole bunch of ticks on it. And I was like, I, we had talked about this, how like fleas and ticks, like, they, you know, they're very specialized to like their species. But I was like, I did not know bees can get ticks on was them. Was it ticks or was it mites? I think... I don't want to know because mites mites Ugh. definitely are I think an issue uh, for um, that that can infect a hive. Uh, I I didn't know anything about a about ticks being able to, but um, it could have been mites, but it was gross and it was all yeah, over oh, the yeah. hive, these little beige. But, bugs. Yeah, they, they that's why um, they keep uh, their hives so clean and really attack anything that tries to get into the hive is because uh, they don't want anything to infect or invade uh, their their hives. Um, so it's, it's, bees are cool, man. For more information about, <laughs> I know I could keep going on. <laughs> I was going to say, for more information about bees, wait for book number 40, the other, <laughs> stay tuned in seven years when we get to I the- know, <laughs> I know, I know, uh, uh, but bees. natural pollinators, y'all, they usually won't sting you. And they're also very crucial to, uh, keeping a lot of flora, uh, alive and going. Bees! pesticides. If anybody played Fable, the jar of bees was just <laughs> prime. I did not. Okay. <laughs> oh, but I did play Bioshock. That's one of the attacks you can get is just throw bees, bees at people, which is almost useless, but very fun. I, I liked it. It was very distracting for enemies. <laughs> it's like yes. I wish they would hit each other. That would be fun. Anyway. Okay. So Tobias, uh, Tobias shows up and is like, hey, that's a rattlesnake. And so he hits it with his tail. Like... Or actually, the rattlesnake strikes at him and hits his hoof and kind of bounces off. And then um, he whaps it with its tail. Like, he holds it down with his tail and acquires it and then flips it away into some bushes. So he now has a rattlesnake morph. Um, it's me. Because he says he has fewer earth morphs than everybody else and it might be useful someday. Damn straight. They need to get more venomous uh, uh, snakes or, you know, venomous creatures in their uh, arsenal because I, I, I think we talked about this on episode zero, but uh, comes mighty handy, I would think, to be able to let go, I don't know, like pit viper, cobra or something and just uh, take out a bunch of hork vizier at the ankles. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were yeah. in the ocean. I mean, like they could do sea snakes are venomous as fuck. Uh-huh. Like that would be great. A python, like an aquatic snake would be pretty good because snakes can be pretty good. Like, Well, pythons are constrictors. They're not uh, mm-hmm. venomous. No, but I mean, the snakes in general. No, but snakes right? in general are just like. Although I would like, want useful. to actually, an anaconda against a hork if it gets it around it right without getting cut up, it could take Ooh. out a hork I just want to see that, like, you know how you fight ants against each other? I want to see that, like, <laughs> orc versus anaconda in the ring. <laughs> the battle royale. See what happens. Oh, yeah. do you guys remember um, they did, like, battle bots or, like, Animal Planet did, like, 
animals versus each other hypothetically. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like that would be kind of oh cool. Oh my god, hypothetically. Xenobiology. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's also speaking of xenobiology. Access in school, we had a section on humans in our xenobiology class. Uh, it mostly involved human television programs, news shows, entertainment, music, and Tobias is like, you were watching MTV? And he's like, I don't know. I didn't really pay that much attention to xenobiology. I wish I had now. A warrior is supposed to be a scientist and an artist as well as a fighter, but I didn't, en- but I didn't always enjoy that other stuff, so I didn't pay much attention. I suppose humans always pay attention in school. And Tobias is like, yeah, that's why I'm such an expert on the War of 1812. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a motif that, or not a motif, it's a theme that keeps coming up where Axe did not pay attention in school. Yeah, no, and that whole line of uh, them somehow streaming entertainment um, shows and things like that uh, on their home planet that humans made remind me of um, Galaxy Quest where they're just like oh yeah we watched you know all your uh, your uh, documentaries <laughs> yeah I, I think it's interesting and I wrote a note here how he says a warrior is supposed to be a scientist and an artist as well as a fighter but I didn't pay that much attention and we know like that he just wanted to be like his brother yeah. So I thought that was really interesting and in how like the society is like, yeah, uh, warriors are supposed to be really well-rounded, but also all we talk about is the fighting part. And that's very similar to our society. <laughs> so turns out that Tobias is there because Axe is going to school today. So they take him to a movie and then now they think it's a good idea to take him to school. I'm just saying they're, they're chancing some things here. It's fun. It creates great co- comedic relief, but... <laughs> They know how Axe is. (laughs) Yeah. And um, so he morphs a human and they're like, yeah. So he he sees Jake and he's like, very well, Prince Jake. And Jake's like, you're not going to call me Prince today, are you? And he's like, when I'm in human morph, I will behave as a normal human. And they're like, yeah, sure you will. (laughs) We've seen you do that so many times so far. (laughs) Behave like a normal human. And so he's morphing and he's about to fall over. So they have to pick him up again. Oh, oh, I forgot. We can, we can put this back. Um, when he's talking to Tobias, Tobias is like, oh, there's this great mystery about you, Axe. And he's like, what? <laughs> Very paranoid. And he's like, well, we're not sure how you eat. Oh, yeah. Like, how? And he's like, well, I have hooves, don't I? And Tobias is like, okay, okay don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I think I already told you guys. Yeah, you did uh, on the um, on book seven. You were telling us uh, how they eat with their hooves, um, mm-hmm. but it's an ongoing mystery for the Andalite kids to figure out actually how Axe uh, consumes nutrients throughout this book. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't like uh, mention it, or he he he's like, okay, fine, don't tell me. And then Tobias or uh, Axe has this really sweet moment where he's like. Tobias, I mean, you'll be alone today while I'm with the others. Like, he's just, he doesn't want to leave Tobias by himself. Because yeah. he's like, we hang all, we spend all this time together. Like, we hang out and Tobias is like, what? Like, I can't get along without you, Axe Man. I have places to go, things to do, feathers to preen, rodents to eat. Besides, Jake already asked me to fly cover while you're in there. <laughs> and he's like, that made me feel better. And so he brings up this uh, Angelite concept of a shorm which is a deep friend, someone you never lie to and who knows all your secrets, which means tail blade because it's supposed to mean a person you would trust so much they could put their tail blade right up against your throat and you wouldn't even worry. So it's very sweet. We're seeing this 
bond for him, but it also makes him uneasy because he's not supposed to tell the humans everything. He's still keeping secrets from them, and and so that's uh not cool. <laughs> secrets don't make friends unless you make secret friends. Yeah. <laughs> I heard this really good quote. This is cross crossover from Are You Serious? Um, this quote on Reddit, which is like. Good secrets have an end date. Bad secrets do not. So if it's mm. like, oh, I'm getting you this present for your birthday, a surprise birthday party, or like something like that, a good secret has an end. It's like, I'll tell you later. It's a surprise. That's a good thing. Bad secrets, you have to keep them secret until you die. <laughs> um, and this is a bad secret. Yeah. And so, okay, so he goes and he meets up with the other people and starts to morph and... They're like, okay, you're going to be normal, right? And he's like, yeah, sure, definitely. I will not call you Prince Jake. <laughs> normal. And uh, again, he's morphing. Again, he's like, ugh, I only have two legs. I hate it here. <laughs> and um, he talks about, he says, there are, they are the only, they meaning humans, are the only species on this planet to walk around on just two legs without wings or a tail to hold them up. And I've certainly never heard of any other intelligent species trying to walk this way. So he's pissed and he today is playing the role of jake's cousin philip from out of state and they're like yeah way out of state <laughs> well it would be rachel and jake's uh cousin philip somewhere well, from a galaxy be. it far, could be his could be his cousin from the other side but when they do run into rachel they rachel pretends like they know each other that she met him already yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but it could, yeah, it could be from the other side. <laughs> so then we get them going into school, which is like jokes, 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 jokes. <laughs> like we are just gonna make fun of school. There's a lot more sarcasm and jokes and in, in this book. Oh, I appreciated it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cassie is like, or as I think of it as, purgatory. Am I right? <laughs> Air horns. Ladies. Okay. This part, I am personally offended. My other human friends tell me that Rachel is beautiful and Marco is cute. As an Andalite, I don't observe either trait. However, when I am in human morph, I begin to see that Rachel is actually very beautiful. But I never see that Marco I'm is I'm glad cute. you brought that up because I also <laughs> highlighted that. And I was like, bullshit. How dare you. You, you ruined they the shipping. <laughs> now keys. They're, they're super actively trying to keep... Um, but it's not them. It's not them. Uh, it is... It's Scholastic. <laughs> they wanted Marco and Axe to be together. They being Kay Applegate and Michael Grant. <laughs> it's just, it's like, guys, Axe is an alien that's made from two boys and two girls in this war. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Come on. <laughs> yeah, and then they make him freaking Ferris Bueller on the cover of the book. Like, that's him. He looks like a very, very young Matthew Broderick. <laughs> If you squint real hard. Just, uh, with, a, with a dead-eyed stare. Yeah, so they go to Cassie's locker, and she's like, uh, there's a shiny pendant on it, and she turns it back and forth, and he's like, is this a ritual? And she's like, nope, it's a lock. It keeps people out so they won't steal my stuff. And then there's a, we see that Cassie has a picture of Jake in her locker. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> but then they, she later says that they're just friends. I'm like, please, who do you think you're fooling? <laughs> you're not fooling anybody. Um, and uh, he, the bell rings, and uh, oh, oh, he also has another moment in this chapter where he says, "When I am in human morph, I must wear clothing." All of my human friends, even Tobias, agree on this. They agree very strongly on this what? one point. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. He just doesn't understand like nudity because he he understands like other alien species like have adopted clothing of some kind, 
And he's just like, I just don't get it. I was like, girl, <laughs> like, <laughs> clothing can be used for so many other things besides covering up nudity. But also, like, come on. Yeah. But free the nip, uh, people. Free the nip. <laughs> and um, the bell rings. And so he has a fear response, like a fight or flight response. And he's like, it's okay. It's fine. Jake, Jake's trying to calm him down. And he's like, it's not a threat. It's depressing, but not dangerous. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, same. Oh, your alarm when in the, the bell morning. rings in the morning. God damn it. <laughs> Well, I get the active, the added benefit of hearing a school no. bell for the rest of my <laughs> life. <laughs> Triggered always. <laughs> but yeah, the alarm clock, I want to murder it. Do you guys ever cycle through your alarm noises just because one starts making you so depressed? <laughs> You're just like, I hate this sound forever. <laughs> I only have the standard. I have an alarm clock from when I was in seventh grade. I got gifted this alarm clock. It's the same alarm clock, and it just makes an alarm noise. That's it. That's all I get. When I was a kid, I'd cycle through them. And there was a phase where um, I got this really cool bagpipe CD. Uh, in... <laughs> <laughs> really cool bagpipe CD. Okay. Never, ever I, said. I think, those words, I think those words could go together. <laughs> I really liked it. Um, and so I'd be like, yeah, I could wake up to this. My dad, on the other hand, was not happy about it. I chose that as my alarm. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, my God. Oh, it'd be so terrible to wake up to. I, I, it, it made me wake up to go like, okay, it's 630, but I could go to school. Like, I like these bagpipes. And then my dad would stumble <laughs> into my room going, what the hell? <laughs> and turn it off. Excuse me, what? Um, so he, so it's Axe goes to class and it's this teacher named Mr. Pardue. And Jake's like, This is my cousin from out of town. His name is Philip. He's just hanging with me today, okay? And the teacher's like, Just sit, sit and be quiet and sit. And I'm like, Yep, that's my mood. <laughs> <laughs> but I would never let a student just bring their friend to school <laughs> or cousin or whatever. Um, I don't know you random child. Are you supposed to be in school? Who are you? Please go to the office. <laughs> Why are you my problem? <laughs> yeah, that would not fly today. It's just being like, oh, hey, my cousin. Like, I brought my cousin to school today. Um, okay. I'm like, does his parents pay taxes to pay for this school? Then it ain't a daycare. <laughs> like, <laughs> from out of state this is this is theft yes. <laughs> so axe so sits down in a desk and says sitting in this desk is unpleasant and some other guys like yeah. you got that right dude <laughs> and um but then the teacher starts to kind of freak out he claws at his head until he starts to bleed and is screaming and uh talking to himself and it turns out that he was a controller, too. But, I mean, how relatable is that? Haven't we all done that? <laughs> <laughs> Clawed our heads until they bleed. Or wanted to. And so Jake, like an idiot that acts notes oh, that this is stupid, yes. <laughs> goes up to him and is like, I know what this is, Mr. Pardue. Write it out. The Yerk will die. You'll be free. I've been through this. I survived. Just hang in there. And Axe says, Jake was my prince, but this was dangerous, foolish behavior. And I'm like, yeah. It's like the stupidest thing ever. I was reading this. I was like, oh my God. If somehow that Yerk survives. Oh yeah. You're like, like you're fucked. Well, and the host, if the host <laughs> yeah, survives, he's lucky that Chapman killed him. So yeah, Chapman walks in and presses the cylinder thingy to his neck and he fucking dies. And Jake realizes what 
happened and but Axe is like and he's gonna fight Chapman which is bad so Axe is like we have to go we have to fucking leave so they leave they go outside and um Jake's like yeah he just killed both of them didn't he and Axe is like yeah and he's like you knew this was gonna happen didn't you and Axe says yes and he's like uh, Jake's like we did this and Axe says it's war which theme alert <laughs> and Jake says, my brother, Tom, he's a controller. What about him? And so they kind of like get in a fight and Jake's really pissed that Axe knew that this was going to happen and didn't tell them. And Axe says, love the warrior, hate the oh war, my God, which yeah. is very close to <laughs> love the player, hate the game. I was, I was like, I, I thought that was, I was like, is that a thing back in the nineties? But like, yeah, I forgot that too. Don't hate <laughs> So Jake gets mad and is like, I get the feeling that we humans are just pawns between you and the Yerks. And Axe is like, maybe you wouldn't have destroyed the Kondrona if you had known it could endanger Tom. And Jake like gets up in his face and is like, is that what you think? Well, you know what, Axe? You're right to try and learn more about humans because you don't know a damn thing about us. Cut to credits. Not credits. Because of the next chapter. Uh, the little diary entry is, An Andalite may think that humans are simple, open, trusting creatures, but they are more subtle than they seem to be at first. Possibly this is because of their spoken language, where no word ever means just one thing. <sighs> so Jake just fucking bounced. He went home for the day. And that means Axe went home too. And the next day, Marco comes to hang out with Axe, which was kind of a surprise to him because Marco's not really that uh, open. And Marco's like, you want to be Pinocchio, huh? Well, you know, here, I'm going to teach you about Andalites, but you're going to have to teach us, or I'm going to teach you about humans, but you're going to teach us about Andalites. The Pinocchio reference was a little weird, but it was like, Pinocchio was a little boy carved out of wood. He wanted to be a real life human to kind of state that Axe is obviously morphing into human, trying to understand how to live amongst the humans. <clears throat> yeah, at first I thought that was I a I thought lying it was a lying thing. thing. Yeah, exactly. At first, but it, I guess it could be a double, uh, double entendre. Yeah, and so Marco's like, okay, we're going to go to the bookstore. You can learn all you want about humans, but you're going to have to tell us something about Andalites. However, I did forget my money at home. So we're going to go home and I'm going to go and um, I'm going to uh, grab my money and you're not going to say anything. If my dad talks to you, you're just going to say yes and no and that's it. <laughs> I love this. Tell it, tell an alien with a heart with not a great grasp <laughs> figurative language. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> yeah. So he goes, uh, Marco goes upstairs and Axie's Marco's dad has something that he sees as a game on his computer. And Axe is like, oh, I see it's a game where there's errors uh, in a simple symbolic language and I have to correct them. That's pretty simple. So he figures it out and he corrects a bunch of these errors. <laughs> and then Marco's dad comes downstairs and he's like, oh, hey, are you Marco's friend? And he says, yes. And so it's like, a, it's a very who's on first. What's your name? No. Your name is no? Yes. That's an unusual name, isn't it? No. It's not? Yes. Yes, it's not an unusual name? No. Now I'm totally confused. Yes. <laughs> and the last one is, I must be getting old. I don't understand you kids. Yes. <laughs> 
and then they go to the bookstore. Um, and he gets a world almanac, so great way to learn random facts about humans. I, I was guess. enjoying those random facts throughout the rest of the book. He sprinkled them in beautifully. <laughs> I'm with Kate. I thought it was great. <laughs> Loved it. I also thought how it was cute that the chapter seven like little Earth Diary entry is books are an amazing human invention. They allow instant access to information simply by turning pieces of paper. They are much faster to use than computers. Surprisingly, humans invented books before computers. They do many things backward. And it's like, yeah, an author would say that, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of creation bias here. I'm like, yeah, but how do you like find something specific if you got to go through the book? I was like, well, you just remember, you read the book and you just remember where each thing was because that's so easy. Yeah. <laughs> so the next day is reading the almanac and all the animorphs show up. Um, in their bird morphs, and they go and they demorph. While they're demorphing, he does note that Cassie is an estrine, which is a person with a morph-like talent. So she is special. And Marco is pissed about the game, quote-unquote, that Axe fixed. And we learn that this was actually a program that Marco's dad was writing to uh, aim a radio telescope um, at the observatory in town and he's like oh it wasn't a game it was just there were so many errors that were so simple I, I figured it was a game for children <laughs> <laughs> I love this too he's just like y'all are fucking <laughs> and he's like my dad says you maybe created a whole new branch of computer software and open up ways to do, new ways to do astronomy and they're talking about Nobel Prizes. Um, so, whoops. <laughs> yeah. And I and I like how Mar Axe is like, what is a radio telescope? And Marco's like, like I would know. What am I, a science teacher? And Cassie's like, a radio telescope is a telescope that's used by picking up radio waves and other radiation from outer space. And it's like, your dad works for the observatory and you don't know? Or is doing a project for the observatory and you don't know what it is? So they're busy arguing about... The, an the Animorphs are just arguing about Axe and him keeping secrets from them. Meanwhile, Axe is like, oh, if I did this, I might be able to call home. If I could call home, then maybe my family could tell me what to do. And But also, at the same time, I've broken the law of Ciro's kindness by giving the humans this advanced technology. So he's having this whole like internal monologue. He's like, should I call my family? Should I destroy it? And at the end of the chapter, he's like, I'm not hiding anything, just whistling suspiciously. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, so picking up after the kids left, Axe uh, then ate. He says he must be careful not to be seen by other humans. So he feeds at dark and runs in the dark. Or when Tobias can be his lookout, he can run in daylight carefully. I like their friendship. Just the, just the kind of there. I think I, I like their little. I thing. like their friendship. Tobias is mm -hmm. super sarcastic towards Axe, and it's it's a good back and forth. <laughs> yeah, he he will. It's like kind of like how I mentioned Marco will say stuff to Tobias that other people won't. I feel like the three of them kind of have a like thing where they they're all very honest. Marco kind of is mean with it, but the other two, you know. Or have a especially Tobias has a really good way of being direct but also being kind about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like um, respect it. I mean, I, I, I think Tobias and Axe have a respect for each other. Mm -hmm. So Axe is wondering at uh, the Earth's moon. So for him, there are four moons on his home planet, and they're 
are always at least two in the sky as opposed to Earth now. It just seems so lonely with just one that, you know, is sometimes there and sometimes is not even there as uh, the moon uh, uh, goes through its uh, monthly rotation. Uh, Axe is missing his home dearly, but is at conflict for what he uh, should be doing. He should uh, turn the it, it, like, he's debating if he should turn that radio telescope into a Z-space communicator and break the Andalite law, um, which is called Ciro's uh, Kindness. And that uh, keeps getting increasingly mentioned over and over that he can't break this one law, Ciro's Kindness, and we kind of figure out, okay, what that is. He reasoned if he went to the telescope with the intention of deleting his code he unwittingly gave uh, to the humans, then he, uh, as he was, if he was to go there and about to wipe the code out, he could first communicate then with his home world and then wipe the code out. And that, that really wouldn't be so bad. And that kind of assuaged his moral dilemma. Axe thought of his brother, Prince Elfanger, and how much he looked up to him and how their parents actually don't know of his death, his brother's death. And through all this reverie, a voice startles Axe, and it was Cassie. She was a morph as a horse in the field that he was walking through. And then she started to morph back, and Axe said, you morphed a horse? As soon as she was fully human, she responded, I do that sometimes. I like running, but don't tell Jake. He'll be mad at me for using morphing for personal things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't believe he would be angry, Axe said. I'm no expert on humans, but I believe Prince Jake has special affection for you. Cassie laughed quietly. I doubt it. I'm just a friend and a fellow anamorph. Then Axe asked, why do you hold hands sometimes uh, and intertwine your fingers? (laughs) (laughs) I like how it's like, no, this this isn't the friend cupping hand-holding. This is the intertwining fingers romantic hand-holding. Uh, and, and Axe <laughs> clocked it. And uh, Cassie's like, oh, well, you weren't supposed to see that. And he's like, why not? <laughs> uh, I mean, like, even the social... Don't worry about it. <laughs> even the socially adept alien is like, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hide this, Cassie. <laughs> Cassie's like, it's kind of a long story. So Axe informs Cassie of his research and that he read the world almanac already. He concludes that humans are interesting, but he thinks Yerks are invading Earth because they're afraid, afraid of humans. And Cassie uh, says, like, afraid of us? Why? Have you been reading all that stuff about wars? Humans aren't just about fighting wars. It may seem that way, but in Axe cuts her off. Every species fights wars, he says. In the past, Andalites made war on other Andalites, and the hork used to have a biological time clock that set them all warring every 62 years, which I'm so sorry, that was funny. <laughs> and for the taxons, they are cannibals. <laughs> So, fun fact, that gets retconned, too. What? So, for the hork the line gets replaced because in the hork Chronicles, we do learn that they were a peaceful species and fully peaceful. They didn't fight each other. They didn't fight any other species. They didn't even kill to eat. They were fully vegetarian. So, now this line reads something to the effect of, and hork well... They never fought, but they were an exception. Oh, so, I thought it was funny. Like, con. for some reason, every 62 years, they're just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I don't know, maybe I'll write this down in the predictions section, but that's interesting that they say they have a biological time clock because uh, later, well, we'll learn more about the Hork Bashir, so. Interesting. Spoilers. Not spoilers. Teaser. Uh, anyway, Cassie says, yeah, 
well, we humans haven't been exactly perfect. And Axe uh, responds, every species has something to be ashamed of. Every species carries some terrible guilt. Cassie notes this comment from Axe, but doesn't push it further for him to explain. She asks them, why would Yurks have a fear of humans? Axe stated that humans discovered radioactivity in 1896, and in 1945, then humans invented and detonated atomic weapons, all within 49 years of each other. In 1903, humans flew for the first time, and then 66 years later, humans landed on the moon, or, well, Earth's moon. And Cassie says, you really did read the whole world almanac, didn't you? You're saying we do things quickly? And Axe is uh, like, I'm saying that if Yerks don't destroy you now, they know that 50 years from now, humans will be capable of faster than light travel. And 100 years from now, who knows? I sort of like that, but I was like, hmm, this is in the 90s. You're We've right. done like 30 years, <laughs> maybe 70 more years. I'm like, I'd like, I'd like <laughs> to wish that, but... <laughs> Not sure. Not sure how quickly the Enterprise uh, is going to be made uh, here for just discovering the universe quite yet. <laughs> yeah. Not if not with billionaires who just want to colonize the moon. Or Mars. I'm like, oh my god, pick a better planet. <laughs> Cassie asks how long it took Andalites to do uh, those things. Axe shifts around and lamely states he can't recall. He goes on to explain as an Andalite warrior, he must obey Andalite rules and not give their technology to other species or talk about themselves uh, too much. Cassie counters that Axe's help and knowledge could help them win against the Erks, like when his brother gave them the power to morph. And then Axe says he's not his brother, he's just a young Andalite. She drops the prodding and invites Axe to come inside and have dinner with her and her family. He could morph into Jake to join them. And so uh, Cassie got some spare overalls and boots from the barn uh, for Axe to wear as he morphed into Jake, which makes me wonder, is he wearing a shirt? Because if he's just wearing the overalls and the boots to dinner. Yeah, I think he has a tight, a tighter shirt on and then like tight shorts, like bike shorts. So I think it looks more natural with the overalls. Well, well wait a minute. I mean, do they give, did they give Axe morphing tight clothes? I mean, they obviously aren't an appearance when he morphs into his true form in his andalite form yeah um they mentioned the first time when he's they're going to the movies when he's morphing like don't forget the morphing clothes so oh. he he is like storing them um on his human morph okay uh <laughs> cassie's dad welcomes axe uh, who uh, as jake uh when they enter the house uh he he lets them know that he cooked uh his famous chili for dinner and cassie's eyes widen in fear and tries to politely <laughs> deter axe from eating it saying uh, he already ate <laughs> and uh, uh ultimately we are left to conclude it as a very spicy dish and cassie's mom calls it the chili of doom <laughs> this is such a cute exchange especially like when you know uh, cassie's mom comes out and is like oh jake you just get more handsome every time i see you and you know she asks are you staying for some chili of doom and then cassie's like he's not hungry in fact he just ate so he probably won't want any and then cassie's mom is like isn't it just precious the way she tries to protect him and the dad says too late he's trapped now there's no escape just like a very cute exchange between the family oh they're a very sweet family uh they, they, yes, they were they a lot are. of fun. So uh, Axe uh, reflects, after so many warnings, uh, I was very nervous about tasting the chili, but I sensed that Cassie's father would be offended if I did not try some, so I ate a spoonful. I think that as long as I live, I will never forget that experience. The chili was hot in temperature, but it was the hot 
also hot in a totally new way. The taste buds of my human tongue seemed to explode. They burned with the intensity of flavor like nothing I tasted before or since. Every nerve in my body seemed to tingle. Water dribbled from the tiny <laughs> ducks beside my eyes. It was not as wonderful as chocolate, but it was intense. So incredibly intense. Oh, and Andalite would never understand. This is what being human was all about. Taste, the glory of it, and the incredible <laughs> wonder of it. This is wonderful food, Axe cried. Excuse me, Cassie's mother said. Aha, at last, someone who understands the joy of hot food, Cassie's father shouted. Axe finished his bowl quickly and uh, moved on to eat Cassie's too. He was asking for more. I feel bad for Jake, who has to come back to this because he's got to pretend to like it. And then, oh, no. And then you got this, you got this, like, not that, like, white people can't handle spicy food, but then you got this white boy who, like, is like, yeah, I love this habanero chili and, like, all oh, the bowels, the bowels. Oh, and then it's later on, Jake, how did you get that ulcer? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh. He used habaneros, which, like, that that's not for chili, my no. dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's for, like, salsa or sauces or, or cocktails. I like how, and then he's like, I used habanero chili. It's the hottest substance known. Oh, yeah, man. right. And Max is like, not as hot as the temperature created doing nuclear fission. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> right, ladies? Am I right? <laughs> Axe felt a pain in his leg as Cassie kicked him underneath the table to t- tell him, not so subtly, that he has had enough. <laughs> Axe happily makes conversation with Cassie and her human family, really acing it in his opinion because he just finished the World Almanac and could even follow along with Cassie's dad as he started to ask him about uh, different sports teams. <laughs> that was really cute how I was like worried with every question that he got that he was going to um, like mess it up. But it's like, how is school? It is fine. And how is your work caring for animals? I understand that this is making conversation where someone like says something and you ask you a question, you answer, and then you ask them a question. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cute. He's like, I, I can do this. I got conversation. <laughs> hey, he pulled it off amazingly. Yeah, he totally did. After dinner, everyone watched uh, TV in the living room. And Axe reflected on uh, the differences of habits between humans. He was, like, reflecting on comparison, uh, like, how Cassie's family um, did their dinners and relaxed at home versus how Jake's family, uh, like, started their dinners, like, for them. For Jake's family, they said grace before they ate. Uh, Axe let Cassie know uh, he had to leave since uh, his two hours of morph were almost up. Cassie's parents said goodbye, and Axe and Cassie walked outside. He asked why Cassie's father had removed hair from his head. <laughs> she explained to him <laughs> of human baldness. Understanding, uh, Axe got it. He said his dad's hooves are getting dull, a normal thing, but they don't mention it because he gets sensitive about it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Cassie gave Axe another book to read, a book of famous human quotes. She comforted him, sensing how much he missed his parents. He pointed out to the quadrant in the sky where his home world was located, and she let him know that she and all the animals all care about him, and that he was not just some alien to them. Demorphing fully, Axe thanked her for dinner and back into the forest. And that, folks, seems like a really good spot to wrap it up for this section. And we'll get going uh, next week with uh, the rest of book eight, the first Axe book. All right. 
you can find me on Twitter at Morgan underscore Slay, or you can find us on Twitter, send us your Animorphs memes at Middlemorph. You can also check out my um, other podcast about Reddit relationships called Are You Serious? That's R the letter U the word serious pod on Twitter. I'm looking for... Well, actually, I think this will be past Halloween by the time this is posted. Check out our recent Halloween episode, then. <laughs> uh, it'll got some nice spooky stories. Um, trying to freak out my co-host. <laughs> uh, Jason, where can people find you? Okay. People can find me on Twitter at bottomus underscore prime. And just realizing this today that my coworkers listen to this, they're going to be able to find me on Twitter. <laughs> oh, no. Good thing I'm really boring. <laughs> I'm just like, but I'm like, oh shit, what's my Twitter history? <laughs> so, you know. Uh, oh, Kate, where can people find I you? I am not on social media, so you can email us at middlemorph at gmail.com. Or tie a note to a blog. Yeah, or, or communicate with me, uh, you know, by uh, lantern flashing of, uh, of uh, light and communicate messages that way. Uh, and I'll eventually pick up on it, you know, Gatsby style. But <laughs> email You know, with Halloween, <laughs> with Halloween coming up, not that I'm advocating for this, maybe I watch too many spooky things, but maybe you could commit a series of uh, murders that spell out clues to Kate. Are you trying to talk to Kate? I really can't handle... No, I cannot handle horror. Please. Please, I cannot... No, I, I don't handle horror. I can't I can't do the scary movies. Uh, uh, like, retcon uh, Jason's suggestion. <laughs> okay, what about Zodiac? What about Zodiac Killer Notes? Where it's all a bunch of letters crafted out of magazines. No, that is going to get burned and I'm going to move. <laughs> Jason uh, has a bad suggestion. Shocker. <laughs> All the serial killers who contacted the police are lame as hell. That's my hot take. Like, okay. I'm spooked out now. Bye, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bye.